Welcome back to Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast. Your host, Chris, here with Ro. And we were both supposed to be here to talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, but unfortunately, I got stuck in the terrible fucking theater that staffed by fucking teenagers who can't put a fucking movie in correctly. So I did not get to see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So no. Ro is going to be able to see it and talk about it herself. Yeah, I'm, I'm fucking pissed because I already know this one. Tom Cruise is my problematic, one of my problematic, top problematic faves. So I was really excited about this movie. I drove two and a half hours to go all the way to the shitty, smelly theater only for these idiots to literally put the movie in wrong. And I don't even know if they end up doing the screener because they were like, they were already 30 minutes late and they were like, it's going to take us another hour. And I'm like, how does it take you an hour to fix how to put the movie in? Okay. They didn't ingest it. That movie yep. was not ingested. Yep. So I don't, I, I don't yep. care. I don't care what lies they want to tell. Yeah, I know. People. I was just like, that's, that's okay. So I was absolutely pissed. So I did not get to see probably one of the greatest action films of this year or ever. Oh. So please tell me how great it is. Because, yeah, I'm going to have to wait until it comes to streaming. Because, yeah. I am so sorry. I thought you were on the email chat when I went back and forth about that. Maybe I was just texting. Brandon, I didn't yeah. realize you left. It was, I mean, it was 7.30 and they were like another hour. And I was already too, I was like, there's no way I'm waiting an hour to, for I, the off I chance. Did not, the that off did chance, not click. Yeah, the off chance. They weren't even sure that it was actually going to be able to play. They were like, you can, we can't guarantee you it'll be ready in an hour, but we're, I'm like, oh, hell no. So I fucking left. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Okay. So, um, I will say. That if you've if you've peaked at Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at ninety six for critics, ninety five for people. That is one hundred percent accurate. Um, I forgot this was a part one. I forgot this movie was split in half. So I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Tom Cruise deserves a break, and someone needs to check on his sleeping habits because I was stressed. For the majority of this movie, if you don't know that we that there, this is some full circle stuff. And again, uh, IMF is uh, the, the entire team. They are my problematic faves. Uh, this is this is my uh, this is my franchise. If you're doing globe trotting adventures and you're blending in spycraft, up until Daniel Craig took over at Double O, and they really let him double tap people. When it came to the, the, the single issue, the big bad, the proper use of villains, Mission Impossible has been my bag since the beginning. I can't even tell you which one is my favorite because it changes depending on which is the last one I've seen and what kind of mood I'm in. I'm lying. It's Ghost Protocol. You, you know the funny so. thing about it? That I will say that about, and why this is quietly, you know, it's, it's doing, it's also doing the thing that Fast and the Furious is trying was trying to do which is because everybody forgets the first the first two of these just as the first one was a totally different type of vibe than the way these films have gone they have leaned into tom cruise being everyone's problematic you know fave scientologist cult leader type abusive motherfucker to going like full action and they keep trying to top themselves each film just like the fast series does but it's consistent. And I'm like, this is what Fast is trying to do is what the Mission Impossible has been doing for a while now. And listen, listen, yeah. I mean, um, there, there, there's something to be said 
for a franchise starting out with just this kind of little, you know, uh, remake of a show, because that's where Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. especially the the first movie comes from. It's an adaptation uh, and they're kind of playing into the iconic shot and the dun 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 music of the the source material. By the second movie, they're starting to realize, first of all, Tom Cruise is freaking crazy. And his adrenaline junkie has found its thing. He and and he's fully embraced the idea of Ethan Hunt. And so when you get all the way to this movie, I'm I'm gonna be honest. If you don't know who Ethan Hunt is, if you don't understand what IMF does, if you are not all the way on the inside of some of the things that have to do with this team and their allies and the ensemble that's gathered in. And um, this movie, the, the plot may feel a little thin because this movie is about Ethan Hunt. It's about how he ended up being who he was and how IMF ended up being who they are. And then there's the mission within the mission. And ironically enough, they're playing around with uh, the concept of uh, uh, sentience, AI, uh, analogs versus digital supremacy. And um, they're also playing around with their own mythology. They're, the things that we've come to expect from him with this insane things that they will do for the tricks. So like the the, the speed parachuting, which by the way, um, if you haven't seen the behind the scenes featurette, go watch it. It doesn't spoil anything. It's about trying to get that shot. And it's some of the most frightening footage I've ever seen in my entire life. Those shots are literal death-defying. They're frightening because they're not using digital. A significant amount of this movie is actual practical stunt, practical effects, and full-out, very dangerous on-site stunts. And if you've seen any part of the trailer, the one where he's falling out of the helicopter, that's the easy one. Everything else from there is ridiculous, up to and including a redo of the iconic jump with the bike. So that's talking about the mechanics of the world, the legacy that we got from here. But Dead Reckoning is just a flat-out good time. It's funny. It's fast-paced. It gives you—I didn't think the story was thin. There's a mission that's happening. It makes absolutely complete sense, but— and I think I said this to you while we were talking about Indiana Jones, that I liked the character of Helen Shaw and absolutely hated Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And I've gotten some real pushback on that, Chris. People people seem to um, be very attached to Phoebe, and I was unaware. Um, people are very angry well, at me. Apparently, those people I... didn't watch the fucking film, because apparently them box office members are saying something different, so... Well, like, okay. Once you see Dead Reckoning, and you see my girl Haley Atwell... You will understand why but, Phoebe did not work for me. But there's my thing. This. But I mean, Haley Atwell's in this. But it's like, but look at look at the the you got Rebecca Ferguson still in there. You got Vanessa Kirby. Like, like I just I don't even have to see the fucking film and be like, what, what y'all? There's not even yeah. a comparison. Like, yeah, but I, I mean, the, I very, yeah. but I mean very specifically what Christopher McQu- uh, McQuarrie did with the dynamic and the relationship between the Ethan Hunt that we get here that he's kind of this elder statesman. He's starting to feel more um, leadership than just team leader and a very charismatic, coquettish, cunning, 
Grace, played by Hallie Atwell, and how she's introduced. And if you've looked at anything, she is someone who gets hired to do a job that crosses paths with what Ethan and the team were doing. And she's immediately out of her depth and she gives zero and she gives zero fucks. She's very mission oriented. And you start to get an idea. And they start juxtaposing some things with things we learn about Ethan that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know how he got recruited in the IMF? I've probably forgotten, but yeah. No. Homie, we like you. We all think we know. We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. You finally actually get it. You even get a a really logical and rational, but extremely terrifying explanation for how missions are introduced to them. You know the whole your mission if you choose to accept it before this shit blows up. You know burns your eyes off because it's in your sunglasses. All of that stuff is brought together, and the intense sequencing, and there's no there's emotional capture and then like you mentioned rebecca Ferguson is back i'm 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 a, um and and vanessa kirby is back as the white widow and um so you get some full circle moments in all of these things uh, but once again um they have managed to pull forward a, a villain that makes sense in this kind of espionage world and i've never been so happy that nicholas holt was unavailable because we get uh, Issa Morales as Gabriel, who is the um, on its surface bad guy. Mm. And uh, um, uh, first of all, he's fine as hell. I, that man has been fine since La Bamba. I don't think he know how not to be fine. But he also does that kind of micro emoting, like with his whole body and his face. There's one moment where he just kind of cuts his eye at somebody and you were going to know exactly what he's saying because he is basically speaking serious nonverbal blackness. And I'm like, he's not black, but he got black friends because he did all that correctly. But Carrie always is in here um, and uh, as Dillinger and that's just hilarious. And uh, Henry Cassini's back as Kitteridge and it's like pitch perfect. So you're going to get some of the vintage stuff that you haven't seen since earlier in the franchise, but you know, Chris McCurry knows what he's doing and he's back. And they also helped write the story, he and Eric Jern- uh, Jenderson, and that really worked. But um, that um, you mentioned Fast X and there's a big, huge chase scene that happens in Rome, correct? Mm-hmm. And you had problems with it because it seemed like it was completely irrational, all the things that they were doing. And, you know, the up to and just having Michelle Rodriguez suddenly, oops, I'm caught. There is a chase scene in this movie that is like the collision of the French connection, the remake of that chase scene that happened in the Italian job with the sensibilities of every single chase that's happened in a Mission Impossible movie where Ethan has been on a motorcycle, only this time they put him in cars. And it's fast, it's hilarious, it's ridiculous. Um, it's also where you get introduced to um, Plum Klimfide, who plays a character named Paris. She's completely unhinged and out of her fucking mind. And um, that is like, it, and it, it's, it's like, I'm telling you, every single phase of this movie you get something that you absolutely expect from this. And then again, uh, Shay Wingham is back as Jasper Briggs, who's obviously uh, an agent. And in this movie, you learn very quickly that uh, the Mission Impossible team once again has become persona non grata. And they are going against what um, the government, the U.S., that they work for, feels should be their remit in this mission. And um, 
the whole commercial where he's talking about no one's life can matter more than the mission and his refusal to accept it, that they give you very intense conversations between him. And I just really feel like everybody needs to find somebody who believes in them, loves them, and is willing to uh, to support and make the fuck shit you want to do happen as smoothly and seamlessly as possible as Luther does for Ethan. Like, just, like, hands down. And Simon Pegg, Silver Simon Pegg, we like it. Uh, Benji Dunn is back. He is, like, he's not just the man in the van this time around, but they kind of bring it full circle with those moments again. And you even get an understanding of how the White Widow ended up uh, being open to making the deal that she made at the movie, into the first movie where you have her, where she is the bad guy. All of these things happen together. And there is some insane action on a train that is a little bullet train-ish in like the fight choreography and sequencing but it's just in like the close quarter combat but it's old school espionage stories so you've got like meetings in the cabins between these two people and bad things are happening here i mean they even straight stole one of the scenes from the movie from uh john wick where they have him at a party where there's like all this like you know light, flashing lights and techno and they showed you what it looks like if um like like if the person who comes in there isn't trying to be stealthy so they do an Ethan Hunt style and it's just it's insane but you still get the kitschy dialogue you still got in that 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 mystery edge and um intrigue there is also some really heavy emotional beats that are happening. And um, there's actually one full moment in this movie where I and about 10 other people in my theater screamed out, no. Um, and I can't tell you why, what happens, but I will just say no one is safe. Everybody can get it. And um, when they say they make Ethan Hunt make choices, that will break his heart and break your heart and possibly could break the team and break him. They do. And it's just, it's just, it's great. And it makes sense. And unlike in Indiana Jones, where the black person is working with these people in the agency and it should be readily apparent that they need to be asking more questions or potentially not being on the same side of, I don't know, Nazis. Um, you get a new character in this movie by, named Greg Tarat, um, Tarzan Davis, who's playing Jasper Briggs' new partner, Degas. And he is kind of like that rational, uh, objective, but not so far into, you know, I'm a, just a soldier. I do what I say, like Jasper, that it starts to, you get that, that, that kind of resonance of, well, maybe there's a reason why they do the stuff they do. I don't know. Maybe we're not asking the right questions. So they hit all those notes in this movie. Um, uh, it's 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 a little long. I'm not going to lie. There are a couple of sequences that just go a little longer than they needed to. Um, but I didn't care because they were really cool sequences and they always ended up being in a fight. Um, they've got they've got great uh, comedic beats. Haley Atwell really knows her shit. I forgot for like half a second that she is a full tool actress. She's capable of doing the action and the physicality, but they make it rational. Like she knows how to handle herself, but she's not like super level badass of other people. So even that they made that she relies more on her, uh, her, her charm and her cunning 
and she's uh, and her sleight of hand and all of those things come together. And I really think that there's a distinct possibility that Tom Cruise is preparing for the day when he can't be the field agent, Ethan Hunt. And I am extremely hopeful that based on what I saw in this movie, there's a distinct possibility he may hand the reins over to Haley Atwell's grace. And if he does, I will still be on this train and I won't have to feel so guilty about it because she is a fave with no problems so far. Knock on wood, that stays that way. I don't be looking up her life because I want to continue to just unequivocally love her, but that's just me. But uh, yeah, um, I think this is going to, I think this makes a better use of the women who are in the ensemble and makes a rational use of the women. Of course, this movie is written by men. So some of the angling and some of the language and some of the choices that get made. um, Yeah. So that lens is still there, but I did not care. There's a whole sequence in the devil that's extremely fly. And I think you will like it. Um, I love this movie. I love this movie. I'm going to pay to see this movie first. I, I want to see this movie again. I'm not wait. I want to see it again before it ends up possibly streaming on Paramount Plus since this is a Paramount Pictures. Yeah, I'm I don't. Just gonna wait until it I don't know if I can. Paramount I don't know Plus, if I can. Wait that I never long. make. I never make it into the theaters. But nah, I mean, I'm. I ask what the score is. Man, this movie is a nine. I love this movie. No, Even the a... parts I don't like about this movie do not detract from the fact that I love this movie. And I hate movies that have overly long sequences that happen in an airport. And this movie has an insanely long sequence that happens in an airport. And, bro, I don't care. Bro, right. I did not yeah. care. I mean, as I said, there's certain movies that are just like, of course. And so mm-hmm. I'm... Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just I'm not I'm not paying to go to the theater. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. Especially now, especially I, I now that we're striking, I, I definitely ain't paying to go to the, uh, they they strike, and I'm definitely not going to pay in the theater now. Um, I understand completely. If you are going to the theater to see this movie, I highly recommend uh, seeing it in Dolby because it is it is sound mix for Dolby Atmos. Um, and I had a hell of a good time at the Dolby uh, uh, screening. Uh, my friend saw it in IMAX, and she loved it in IMAX, but I'm not going to lie. I really think that Dolby might be the better pick because, well, one, the aspect ratio is 239 and 1. And for me, sometimes when that's on the IMAX, it slightly distorts some close quarter scenes. And there's a lot of co- close quarter fighting in this mm. movie. Got you. So, well, there you guys have it. Uh, Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, yeah. So, um, next week potentially. I know. I mean, you're going to see Barbie. I might go. We're trying to see, and we're definitely going no. To have I'm it. seeing Oppenheimer. You're not seeing Barbie. Barbie and Oppenheimer are being screened at the exact same oh, time. Oh, they gave us a Barbie on the day before. Now it was nope. a new one to added. So, well, now that makes my decision a little bit. Uh, it brings more information, so maybe I'll go. I don't know. We'll see. See, I, I got to see my work. I'm, I'm definitely. I'm, I'm already going to Oppenheimer. So that's already scheduled. It's just be, I haven't signed. I haven't agreed to go to the. So the Oppenheimer for us is on Tuesday. They added a Barbie screener on Monday. So now I'm trying to decide if I, if I have time to go to. Oh, day, I'm you know. going to see Haunted Mansion on Monday. Um, you know what? I think because there that, was an yeah. option to do that, but I just didn't care because isn't that coming on Disney Plus? Um, I do not believe that it's getting date and date, day and oh. date. And with the way Bob Iger is talking, he's also going to try to push back when it drops. Ooh, yeah, man, listen, I, I like, you know, Bob's, I don't know what happened. Bob in them t- days off. Bob came back and I'm like, Bob, you sound a little too spicy and you sound a little bit, um, like, mm, yeah, this, this, what do you, you mean yeah. you don't know what happened? Yeah. 
Bob gave that speech from a billionaire's retreat in Idaho. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, no, no, I, I know Bob. Bob, <laughs> oh, but I'm oh, like, okay. I'm just saying. I'm just like, oof, Bob. That that you, you, you might need to might need to have somebody to look over your speeches before you start giving them. Because like, uh, Bob, um, you uh, you're coming off kind of yeah. bad right now. And now with the writers and the uh, the actor striking. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing. I actually did because um, I got into TIFF, and so I have. I actually. And I'm so glad I did a refundable hotel, and 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 I have I have an option for flights because I'm like, um, come September, I don't know if y'all gonna have a Toronto Film Festival because ain't nobody gonna be can, able to. Can you can you convert to remote? <laughs> there's no well, I, where do they, even if they do how do you do remote? Because the whole purpose like of we, the, I mean they uh, maybe they could do that, but like the whole purpose of the film festival, like I said. This, that's where I think it's going to, I think that's where this yeah. is going to hit everybody. Cause I don't think the studios are understanding. It's like, that's, this, you try to go to the, cause were, I've seen somebody going, well, they're going to try to also wait out the, the writers until the fall. I'm like, um, but like that's film festival times guys. And that's also when you guys get ramping up for the Oscar season. I, y'all don't yeah. want to do that. That's not like the, you know, the studios. I, are, I the, think, I think that, that I think they think it's not going to happen because a lot, of, a lot of people know that it's super shysty that they're pulling things from platforms for streaming um, and they're turning them for tax deductions. And a lot of people are kind of focused on the tax element. But what a lot of people may not know is that um, people who write on certain shows and they participate in certain writing rooms, they get paid in installments. And if they, even if it goes up on the platform, if they take it down off the platform and they put it as a tax write-off like it never existed, they don't have to pay out the rest of those contracts. So they're actually taking people who may be relying on money that they earned before the strike, that they're supposed to be getting paid. And now that the product that they worked on, the, the film or the show that they worked on no longer exists, they're not honoring the final two installments of people's contracts. Mm -hmm. That also means that that comes off their um, their reportable hours. So it could put them under hours and they lose their insurance. And if it puts them too far under how much they've worked, not only do they lose their insurance, they lose their eligibility for certain other residuals because now they also don't have a monetary number that they haven't hit. So when they say that they're trying to put people out of their homes, um, first of all, I don't know how they don't realize that a shit ton of people are living in their car already. Like when you can win an Emmy for the bear and you're living in your car um, and you had to borrow money to buy a tie so you could come inside, you're already there. But what they're really doing is they're actively trying to decrease the number of the people who are even eligible to be in the unions. Mm hmm. And if they can lower the numbers of the people who are eligible to be in these unions, even if they're still standing in solidarity, the threshold number to either re remain on strike, to accept a deal, any of that is lower. And so what they're hoping and what they're banking on is being able to um, push people to the point to where leadership has no choice but to go back to the table because now they've compromised the union itself but you know i don't care what anyone says it, it we're recording this on july 13th so this is the morning when fran and the rest of the negotiating team gave this speech i don't know how bad that deal has to be that you get little miss conservative fran dresher saying it's that's what that's what i'm watching everybody i'm also everybody i'm also everybody, i'm like wasn't she against like yep. vaccinations and things? Like, ooh, ooh. i'm like mm. when you got her 
Right. She, yeah. Right. She called like, it disrespectful and said, we're ready to storm the gates of Versailles. Yeah. I, was like, I don't know if people don't know what that means, but right. that literally is where they screamed, eat the rich. Right. I'm like, before um, they started cutting off. Her, I was like, I'm like, wait, I remember this friend. Y'all, mm, she ain't, she ain't, she ain't liberal like that. So I'm like, mm, uh, no, but New York friend showed up. Right. They like, fucking mm, with New York friends money. money. Right. I'm like, so y'all have fun with that, cause um we'll see how this goes. Cause I, and I, I, the other thing too, I think the studios have forgotten is, like we got we, we got we got streaming, so we you, they were already not going to the theaters. So y'all y'all think that they're I think that for some reason the studios think that somehow in this day and age that they think that the what they're doing is 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 not being seen in the light. Like the article that came out this morning was talking about how. That came out was like, yeah, they're thinking they're gonna basically wait it out a little bit with the the actors, but then starve out the the writers. I'm like, um, yeah, guys, you're saying the quiet part out loud. That's not gonna go over well with people. I, it's not. This ain't right. the 1960s. I I don't think even Bob Iger. I was like, yeah, that might have worked a couple of years ago. Maybe might not have like really gotten all the words you said, but like now. You're sounding people, really dumb. People like, know what those words mean, and they mean, and they know what those words mean. And I'm like, and it doesn't help that at least them. It helps everybody else that the president's basically like, nah, I mean, I side with the I side with the unions. So, um, but, yeah, but you out. also have to remember that Bob Iger is actively ignoring a union that's under the Disney umbrella, that mm-hmm. uh, a group that's managed to unionize, and he's refusing to even acknowledge their right to collectively bargain. Mm-hmm. So he's already been down for the cause with this, yep. and um. You know, I really feel like a lot of people don't understand, like when you look at the Emmys and it looks like um, a whiteout, no matter what the ethnicity is, if it just it looks like a whiteout, there's no one who actually is black or is visibly, you know, ethnic. Uh, what that actually means is the the control that studios are exerting over what's really made easy for voting members of the peer groups. That matters. So like. Like, like when we say stuff like don't go see the flash, it's not because we hate DC, especially like if you've listened to any of us on there, we all have our favorite flash character, our, our DC character. So that's not it. And we're tentatively excited for Blue Beetle. Um, what that means is if you continue to empower people like this movie is for Paramount and Paramount Plus has shows that they put on streaming that they put money on there that they took down. Because everyone who's associated with that show was the WGA was extremely vocal in the videos that were coming up on deadline. And the next thing you know, they announced that Grease, the 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 the, the prequel show, uh, that the musical that's coming off is is no longer available for anybody to watch, and it's up for Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, Crater that was on Disney Plus that they didn't tell a lot of critics that they put in our screening room, and then they just kind of silently dropped it onto disney plus and then they're taking it back it's because it, i mean it's up for it's up for craft awards it's like so so the the i i this is gonna sound really bad but if you really want to support actors if you really want to support stunt people if you really want to support staff who still fall under sag afra in ways that you may not understand if you really want to support writers you need to watch scripted television not hosted nonfiction. You need to be watching scripted television. You need to talk about the scripted television you walk about, where you watched it. And one of the reasons why they're trying to deconstruct Twitter is because Black people have been 
extremely impactful on putting shows that weren't ordinarily being seen or recognized as of interest to our demographic, meaning non-white, but particularly and specifically Black, because I'm a Black person, so I speak for myself and try not to speak for anybody else. We have been extremely effective about getting people interested and having them buy into shows that they may not ordinarily have bought into that aren't getting the noise or getting the things on uh, on on radar. And then once they're on radar, there's a push and it's harder to drown them out. So yeah, I love Mission Impossible. I'm always down for an Ethan Hunt journey. But if you're not going to the movies, as great as I think this movie is, you can wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are plenty of people you saw what happened with Top Gun Maverick once it hit the 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 exclusive screening period on Paramount Plus. So many people thought that was amazing and started talking about how they would have possibly this is definitely worth quote having seen in the movie theater, and they put it back in the movie theaters and they extended the run. Yep. We have a lot of control that we don't use because it's easier for us to act like everybody who works in quote the industry gets paid off. Yeah, I mean people say it about critics too. Oh, oh, you are in the pockets of the studios. Nigga, do you know how hard it was for me to get a screening for Mission Impossible? I had to threaten somebody because somehow or another I wasn't on the right list. Um, or like how hard they make it to get your hands on episodic content before it's time to vote because they don't want us talking about things outside of the things that they really want people's attention focused on. And that has to do with the things that cross over into the networks that meet the standards for how they get paid best. That's why you see so much success. In. It's why you see so much the White Lotus. They made it really easy for people to find those shows once people started talking about it. Yep. That's why they didn't fuck around with how the bear shows up on TV. Because it's not an underdog show anymore. But if you like The Bear, you should go and watch some of maybe the other scripted shows that are on there. Because that guy isn't getting paid. Your favorite and most streamed episodes, they're not getting paid. Because no one is making these people pay them. They could have settled this deal right now with the amount of money they have in the industry. But they don't want to give up the right to steal people's faces, name, and likeness. And everything that we love about them as characters, so they no longer have to pay them to come to work every day. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's, it's pure greed. It's, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. so watch people go like hey, it's also at some point infinite growth. You, you it is impossible. So sometimes maybe just make just be happy with sustainment, and nobody's happy with that. Like across the board, it's like well, we let them go public. Mm-hmm. Like the worst thing that ever happened to the uh, film and television industry in, in terms, in this kind of terms, because clearly we could say many things, is we allowed the business model to be revamped in a way that it's, it, it's palatable to a, an initial public offering and being offered on Wall Street, because that's how David Z got his hands on Warner Brothers and why he's been able to do what he was able to do to the Discovery Channel and TLC. And it's it's why he, you know, why there was like literally almost every show on there for a while was basically a cult is they have to meet shareholders and stockholders. They become more important. Mm -hmm. And when you start thinking about the fact that Netflix does not call what they're doing shows and films, they call it content. Mm -hmm. So if you care about this stuff, if you care about film, especially if you care about popular 
or indie or left of center stories, or you'd like to see something that it, even if it's not visually something you resonate with, it might be narratively something you resonate with, then you have to exercise your power. If you're not cutting the cord, then you need to be very, very mindful of what you stream. If every time you turn on the streaming, you watch a non-scripted show, if the only time that you are regular degular about your appointment TV is it's um, a nonfiction hosted show, like uh, Love Island or um, uh, Love is Blind, if those are the only shows that you give your loyalty to, then you are proving to them that they are fine to wait out writers and it's perfectly okay to make them so broke they'll work for a penny because that's what they're asking for. They want, especially if they're Black. I mean, if you watch The Mother with um, Jennifer Lopez as a star and it felt like the story had something to it, but the presentation of what you got was really weird, what you need to know is that was a Misha Green script that she sold, and that's what they did to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is why I love what we do. We get to have these conversations. I get to be, you get the benefits of my doom scrolling at 2 a.m. when a bitch cannot sleep. And I find out all these random things, reading press kits and press, and you don't have to go and look at it. And we can kind of give you a context for how and why it might matter to you. But, you know, they're not just trying to put people who write film and television out of business. They're trying to put the people who talk about and write about film and television and entertainment out of business too. They want us gone too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll see. I gotta, I gotta go make sure trip protections on my trip because uh, that trip to Tiff might not be happening. <laughs> that trip. Listen, I had, I had, I um, I I got sick, so I had already withdrawn my app from Tiff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was I, yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm really happy, and then it hit me. I was like, wait, oh, the actress might be striking. Mm, okay. Uh. And the fact that that look, Killian and, you, and Emily's and, like, we out at the right. Oppenheimer in UK. Right. I love it. Right, and you think you and you think I'm gonna show up to just watch some random motherfuckers all the way to Toronto to watch just watch some films with nobody else? Mm-mm. Right, 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 right. Now, before, mm. like, I will say this: if if you are watching and don't be be go look at what people are and aren't allowed to do, because this isn't every contract that SAG has signed before you start like jumping on people and calling them scabs online. There are certain uh, mm-hmm. activities that are not covered by this contract with SAG, AFRA, and AMTA. They are covered by another one. So you may still see people. If you have friends who are social media managers and please support what they have to do to try to um, maintain their employment for marketing jobs when they are about to lose all of their actors and writers for content days. Yep. So. All right. Um, well, there you guys have it. Uh, that's our review for or Rose review for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, we actually probably need to get with Deepom to talk about Secret Invasion. I was on, on premium. I was going to try to do it in like half a episode chunks, but uh, oh yeah, half a season chunks. But I think we just need to do all six when it when it when it drops. So. I really at this point, I think we need to do a whole season. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, we'll just, like do a, just we'll do a whole. We'll just do a whole season. Um, so thank you for that. Also, I have to. I have to catch up and make sure I'm prepared for it. But uh, this weekend we should be on Sunday. We should be talking uh, not only uh, the next, maybe even the last part of the Flash Character Corner, and then there is also we're getting into 
as we promised, the first 13 episodes of season one of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, of course, I have not started rewatching it, but uh, I'll, I'll be ready by Sunday. Um, so stay tuned for all that. Your, um, voice, your voice just felt like, I feel like I your voice just lied to me. It did, yeah, I know. I, 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 okay. I'll make it work. I'll make it work. So, and I do I, owe everyone two episodes of Centennial Check on premium, and those are becoming in too. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll be back soon. So again, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, we're out of here. Peace. Peace.